0: Hello survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 38, wherein we once more open the Raccoon City chapter of the RE canon, but from the perspective of the Periverse, in Book Club City of the Dead. My name is Cy and joining me on the panel this week, he's Commander Shepard, and this is his favourite bookshop in the Citadel of the Dead, or something. It's Firebutton's Steve Valance.
1: Wow, hello everybody. (laughs) I'm
0: really struggling this time (laughs) and our special guest veteran Resi community member king of non-canon corner and host of the Resident Evil podcast and judging by his name we assume team captain of the Raccoon City Sharks it's Nick, better known as Neptune Hello everyone, hi thanks for uh, inviting me on This episode of First Aid Spray, like all others, was recorded live in our Discord server. Enter our little world of survival horror now to hear the show early and unedited, as well as join our wonderful community and keep up to date with all of the latest news. You can find a link to the server, as well as all of our other social media profiles, at our website, faspraypod.com. You can also help the show by checking out our merch, or by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month with various tiers, each with their own perks. Head over to patreon.com forward slash faspraypod for a full list and a chance to create bonus first aid spray content. It's been very, very busy the last few weeks for Resident Evil in general and for first aid spray. So it's going to be a top heavy sort of opening part of the show. We've got some rather major announcements that we've been making. So I'll I'll try and get through the housekeeping uh, as cleanly as possible. So thank you to our most recent Patreon supporters. Thank you to Ryan Mosby. Thank you to Rainbow Knight Erison. And thank you to Zane Stemple. Thank you to all of you folks and everyone supporting us on Patreon. uh, Continuing to do so, we very much appreciate that. Recently, we brought out our Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask episode for Patreon exclusivity. As usual, that comes out a month for Patreons before everyone else. That was a yeah, that was a really fun, different one. It was nice to talk Nintendo, even if it was uh, weird and scary Nintendo. And uh, the latest episode of Now That's What I Call Survival Horror, our series on the Resident Evil soundtracks, this time all about Code Veronica, where I picked my top ten, is also available for Patreons for a few more weeks before it comes to the public. Speaking of bonus episodes, our Film Club episode on Mortal Kombat is now out for the general public. So scroll back through your feeds if you haven't heard that uh, and you want to hear us discuss the 1995 Mortal Kombat and, of course, the most recent 2021 film as well. And we've had just a load of stuff in the wake of Village come out on YouTube um, lots of mercenaries, guides, and uh, things like that. James wrote a wonderful piece on law analysis and theories, which came out really well. Uh, Steve wrote a video on five crossovers that we'd like to see, which was very well timed to what we're Dead by Daylight, and we'll get to that, I'm sure. Uh, so there's been a lot going on content wise, but as I say, we've had some rather major announcements, so uh, let's sort of go um, ascending. Is it ascending or descending? Let's go from smallest to biggest. I never remember what, anyway. Right, so new merchandise uh, is available now at our store. Go to faspraypod.com and hit store. Uh, And you can purchase a Rad Vickers T-shirt, mug, notebook, mask, whatever you like, um, with some original artwork from Tips or Not, who you may know from the uh, Resident Evil Twitter community. A wonderful artist uh, with an original piece of Rad Vickers is really very cool. I love it. So if you feel like supporting the brand and uh, carrying first aid spray with you wherever you go, perhaps go check that out and our our other designs as well. Uh, We had a rather major uh, announcement that came together really quick, which is a brand new show, Uh, and the first episode has already happened. Uh, We will be doing weekly Twitch streams that are focused on the Resident Evil board games, of course. (laughs) What else? Um, And it's called Itchy Painty. Uh, Adam and BurgerTime are hosting a few hours of a painting stream every week. Uh, The plan is when Resident Evil 3, the board game, arrives uh, for all the Kickstarter backers, they're going to paint through the entire game, uh, one miniature at a time, one every week, or at least one um, design every week. Um, But until that comes, at the moment, they're just sort of working on some RE2 stuff as well. So we got some zombie paintings down, and uh, yeah, we'll be going from there. So we look forward to seeing you on Twitch, twitch.tv, forward slash F A Spray Pod, every Tuesday... um, there's a post on the website if you want further details about the show, and there's a little YouTube trailer we put together for fun as well, and uh, yeah, there's some there's some cool stuff to look forward to with that as well. I appreciate everyone's support on it so far as well. It's, it's good to add that extra string to our bow. Speaking of adding extra strings, the probably most important thing, and I would have loved to have done this on an episode when he was actually here, but we couldn't make it work, um, but with... Uh, A certain person's contributions to First Aid Spray over the last 12 months with video editing, writing, uh, appearing on the podcast and some backstage stuff as well. We elected to make the decision to have Kelsey, uh, Mr. KDB, join the Pueblo people. He's now officially a member of the First Aid Spray team uh, to help us with some heavy lifting in terms of content creation and stuff like that. As I say, he's really been helping out a lot backstage anyway, so it just made sense. So welcome aboard, uh, KDB, and we look forward to having you uh, again on the main show, hopefully very soon.
1: First aid spray. You're really becoming a problem for me.
0: Right, that's our mammoth amount of news. Before we get to the Resident Evil news, uh, Nick has been sitting, waiting patiently, so I'm going to circle back round to our guest, Um uh, Steve and I have been over at the Resident Evil podcast, uh, so it's nice to have you on finally, uh, Nick. Uh, so first question, of course, your Resident Evil experience. What game was it for you? Uh, your first experience, and and how did you fall in love with the series?
2: Oh, blimey, uh, it goes back. So um, the first game I ever played was the original Resident Evil. Uh, my I think Resident Evil Two had just come out, and I, I wasn't I wasn't into it that thing at that time. And my friend. Sold me Resident Evil One for fifteen quid, and nice. I, I, I distinctly remember asking him, "What's the camera situation like?" And <laughs> because at the time I, I knew first and third, and he goes, he kind of said, I, it, it, "It's impossible to describe what it is. Mm. It's kind of like fixed in a different angle in each room." And I said, Ew not sure about that but yeah so re- that was the first experience and it absolutely terrified me <laughs> um, the, it was and it's, a, it's it's that feeling i look for in every game coming out that feeling of not really wanting to play yes that horror element of um getting to a particular point knowing your ammo or lack of and then not really wanting to go on and i very distinctly remember just stopping playing when I got to the guardhouse. <laughs> There's, um, um... I, it was, like, I was like, I'm done, I'm done. I yeah. can't the mu- the music, the atmosphere. Um, it was, it was too much, and I stopped for a long, long time uh, until finally going, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it and complete it and um, play, play the game, and I, I fell in love with it then. And then I remember a couple of years later, get um, going into. Uh, what was John Lewis and seeing brand new Resident Evil Three, mm. uh, mistakenly also priced for fifteen pounds brand new, and um, <laughs> I was like, "Oh blimey, that's cheap!" And I said to my dad, "Dad, dad, dad, can I get?" It? I think I must have been underage at that point, or very close to fifteen. I was like, "Dad, dad, can you get it for me?" And he's like, oh, "Not sure, not sure." And he bought it for me, and then that was it. I was yeah. completely in, the rest completely in after absolutely, yeah.
0: yeah. It's it's so funny because survival horror is such a nondescript term like you there's been arguments since the dawn of the term to now what exactly constitutes survival horror but you you've hit the nail for me it's that feeling of like i really want to play this but also i definitely don't want to play this yeah yeah
2: <laughs> and and for me step seven encapsulated that very well i was like yes yeah that 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 dread feeling it's very hard to pinpoint um, mm. But yeah, the the, the original trilogy, Co Veronica and 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 so forth, did it. So um, yeah, I've, I've you know been been a fan ever since. Joined Re Horror when mm. it was when it was cool, um, and then obviously I was part of Project Umbrella, and then we set up the podcast, and um, still natter on to this day.
0: Yeah, very long running podcast. What, what are you about eight, <laughs> eight nine years something like that now?
2: And no, no, it'll be it'll be ten years in January. Wow. Uh, so. It, it's the longest running, I think, by about three months. I think Let's Talk Resident Evil came out in April 2012, <laughs> so uh, we, we beat it. We beat it by three months, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's been going far too long. Um, we followed in the footsteps of the RPD Dispatch, which mm. was the podcast of the Horror Is Alive. I don't actually know if they're available any longer. I still have them on my PC, but they oh. uh, they they were. They were old school. Um, yeah, you
0: got a piece of history there because <laughs> I don't think they <laughs> are online. I've definitely looked, and I've heard you guys talking about it in the past, um, and I haven't found, I haven't come across it because I, yeah, I did the the fan website thing um, way back in the day, bouncing around websites like that, and then yeah, discovering uh, REP, set obviously many years ago now, coming in sort of halfway through your lifespan. So it's it's cool as well because um, you know, as you say, you're nearly ten years, but. Within the last few, I feel like there's been a, a big build. Obviously, it's nice to see some of the longer running um, Resident Evil communities coming to Discord and stuff like that, which is and Patreon and everything else. It's it's been nice to see like a, a big ramping up of growth in the last couple of years, especially with you getting your own website and everything like that.
2: Mm. Yeah, we've been uh, busy uh, and obviously John's been doing his timeline. I right, know.
0: yeah. The internet That's celebrity, just- the Batman.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's been working far too hard on that. But yeah, it's, it's been nice, you know. And you know, it's, um, you know, it's it, it, like like you guys really. It's is it is kind of like a genuine friendship that's evolved over the years, which is um, probably yeah. one of the reasons why we're still going.
0: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. One day that'll be us going. How oh, God? How do we get to ten years? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, let's rock on then into a rather hefty version of the biohazard news.
1: No new stories this week. We're fine. Let's roll. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so our first article: uh, Netflix have announced the principal cast for the new live-action Resident Evil series.
0: Oh, this is a uh, this is a hell of a thing, isn't it? Um, I, play, I didn't see
2: anything. I didn't see anything on Twitter about this.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, this just came out yesterday as of the time of recording. Um, kind of a stealth drop, you know, part of the Netflix geeked. Um, week that they're doing as part of sort of in tandem with everything going on with E3 this week. Um, they've been doing like daily streams, announcing various details, and they had a very video game focused day. And I, I, I just watched it because you know I'm interested in some of the shows they're talking about. I really didn't actually expect them to drop too much, especially um, not this show, which of course shouldn't be confused with Infinite Darkness, which we'll be talking about shortly, and shouldn't be confused with a live action film. This is yet another project. Um, this is we talked about it in the news before. This is the quote unquote Wesker kids uh situation um so we have uh the cast here and some vague ideas of what's going on so straight out of the gate we already know uh, lance reddick is playing albert wesker uh lance reddick is i mean to be fair to this despite some of the nasty uh Hot takes. I've seen a lot of people saying, well, he's an amazing actor. Uh, And I agree. Um, And he'll make a great Wesker, I think. You might know him from Fringe, uh, The Wire. Uh, For me personally, he's in the Horizon series, which is just funny to think, you know, those two major franchises that I love so much have now got something in common like that. Uh, And he's going to be joined by, and I hope I pronounce all of these names correctly, Ella Balaniska, Tamara Smart, Sienna Abudong and Asline Rudolf and Paula Nunez. And there's a couple of pictures of them. Um, and looking at that picture, since we know that the plot synopsis is about Jade and Billy Wesker uh, as 14-year-olds and 30-year-olds or whatever they're going to be, it's pretty clear to me that the girls on the left are one character, the girls on the right are one character, uh, sort of at different ages. So... It very much seems that that is the that is definitely the direction we're heading. Um, Nick, what's your immediate reaction to this?
2: Oh, um, I, I I I go into it with a very I, I'll see see how it goes see how mm-hmm. it goes. I have very little interest in um, the in the, the new live action. Um, I mean, I've had the privilege, if you want to call it that, of reading a draft s- script slash oh, a synopsis. Dear of it um uh, it doesn't sound particularly good but you never know you know it's i think because it's so far um so far removed from the source material then ju- they they should uh and you know just do what they like with it and just mm. let rip and ha- have fun you know and ho- hopefully um you know make a good storyline my issue will be uh, more so about the kind of more not say casual fan, but someone who's just picking this up, uh, if they're on Netflix, they're going to be potentially confused as to whether it ties into Infinite Darkness, which will still be relatively fresh. Mm -hmm. Will it tie into the new reboot movie, which is in November? Um, And I actually think the answer is it semi-ties into the (laughs) Anderson-verse. Uh, which makes that. it even more confusing. <laughs> mm,
0: I know how many how many of these do we need. I, I completely agree. Um, I, I'm I'm trying to be open minded. It is kind of difficult, I'll be honest, but I'm trying not to be hypocritical. I'm going to try and enjoy this for what it is. But you're right; it's its own thing. So it, that makes it a little bit easier. Like it's it's clearly not associated with any of the other canons. There's there's no way this can be associated with the game canon. Um, so I'm okay with that <laughs> for one thing. I think with still, I guess, assuming a 2021 release date, but I don't think that's that can be right, um, especially because, yeah, the production slate of Resident Evil, that's just going to make everything very confusing. And just from the fact they've shown these pictures, they're not in costume or anything like that. It's just an actor reveal. Uh, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they haven't, started filming or anything yet i don't know either way personally maybe there's information out there either way or the other but to me it feels like this is you know they haven't really actually entered production properly at this point so could be a a way off yet um yeah i suppose we'll have to see what happens steve what are your thoughts on this
1: you know, prior to this news, I'd completely blocked from my mind there was even going to be a Jade <laughs> and Billy Wesker spin-off. Um, to be fair, this is—it's not so much the news itself, but the reaction. Some people's reaction, not the the stupid negative ones, but the ones that have reacted to this. Uh, what's his name? Lance Reddick. Yes. Um, their reaction to them and them being such a quality actor has actually kind of got me intrigued enough to you know I was going to give it a go anyway because we're on a Resident Evil podcast. It would be remiss not to. But now I'm kind of looking forward to it because everyone's hyping this dude up for me. So hopefully mm-hmm. that pays off. Uh, you know, I'm uh, in a slightly more positive p- position than I was before, I guess. Uh, again, you know, I just hear the words Jane and Billy Wesker and the part of me dies a bit inside. But well, that's uh, that's <laughs> yeah. by the by, really, I
0: guess. Yeah, I, um, did, uh, I don't want to be mean or anything, but there is a part of me that feels a little bit sad for him that he's... Uh, Going to be sort of attached to this project because I think he, I do think he'll make a good Wesker. He's got like a, a slimy, business-suited kind of bad guyness to him. He's played roles like that uh, that I've seen that I've really enjoyed. Um, he was really good in stuff like Quantum Break and, as I say, Horizon. And um, yeah, he can play a, a decent bad guy, um, kind of like a sassy, sort of smarmy dude. But he, yeah, he might be the bright spot in this. Who, who can say? Maybe this will blow us all out of the water. Maybe you're amazing. That would be great. Yeah, I, I yeah don't know. You gotta,
1: you gotta, you gotta try these things before they, you know. Sense. Absolutely. <laughs> so, our uh, next bit of news is that Resident Evil Infinite Darkness's final trailer and opening scene have been revealed, and the show releases on July the eighth.
0: Yeah, uh, out of nowhere, I guess. Very, very soon. Um, so that's quite exciting. Uh, the trailer, for me, doesn't show... I mean, there's some cool stuff in there, but it doesn't tell us necessarily too much about what to expect that we didn't know from the, the synopsis that we'd already seen online. i uh, got a couple of looks at some characters. Um, Jason, I think his name is, the, uh, the sort of military dude that I think Leon's teaming up with. we got a look at President Graham, which is nice, briefly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for this. Uh, I don't know if this is official or anything, but reports are saying it's... It, I think it's a four episode run. No idea what the length of that's going to be, but I mean, if it's successful, who knows? Could be more to this. Nep, what are your thoughts on infinite darkness so far? Excited?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think I've heard it's 25 minute episodes, Four okay. episodes, of 25 minutes, um, which possibly suggests that it was a movie at one point. Mm. Maybe, maybe who knows? Um, I th- we've, we've discussed this as well. And, the concern is retrospective or retroactive should we say retrospective Intercles. storytelling mm. uh, yeah they, they they can be difficult and we, we've seen that a bit in village um, with you know adding things in retrospectively and you go oh yeah that's cool and then when you stop and think about it you go does, does it does it really work so for infinite darkness the concern really is uh, more to do with the fact that could we be getting another Terra Grisia type incident, as seen in Revelations, where we have the seemingly massive event hmm. that is never referenced again, um, and that it, it makes the future sequels seem a bit odd that it's not mentioned? So, you know, for example, yeah. in the in Resident Evil Five, Terra Grigia is not mentioned, despite the fact that that outbreak went on for three weeks straight. Uh, we had a I woman James Bond esque uh, satellite destroy city. You know, totally on par with um with raccoon city and it's just doesn't you know it barely get that as an eyelid so from what we've seen in infinite darkness is basically you know the president be attacked leon being incompetent at his job again in looking (laughs) after presidents and um you know the most important house in the world in under a biohazard outbreak Mm. that has not been mentioned since it's the it's the inherent nature of an integral if you want to call it that but it can leave a sour taste in, in in one's mouth if it's not handled in a correct manner. So I would hope that it's done and all kind of covered up, kept on the QT in order to kind of justify the future storytelling. Um, that's why it's not mentioned in uh Resident Evil six and yeah. seven and all sorts, but you know, it, it's probably not going to happen, but that, that's, that's the problems that could, that, that, that could arise as a result. Um, there's plenty of hopes. You know, it's the year, I think, um, Blue Umbrella were formed. Um, so, you know, the, the optimist in me would like to see it linked in with that. Perhaps it's a Blue Umbrella attack or um, the star of that. Who knows? But otherwise, yeah, I'm quite excited. It's good to see more CGI. I, I've enjoyed them all for what they're worth. Mm. Um, so, uh, yeah, quite looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I think it's, um, it's just one of those things where it's just like, I'm glad they're making more content like that, despite, you know, mi- I have mixed feelings all around on the on the three films. Some are, like, more than others. Some are, you know, like, less than others. But I'm glad they're continuing to explore that kind of thing. Um, I completely agree about the canon. They're, they're, hopefully they're, they're careful about it. But we have seen in the past, as you said, that maybe not so much. As long as it's not, like, rip, roaringly ridiculous, um, Maybe maybe we'll just be able to sort of look past it and get away with it uh steve Mm. thoughts on the infinite darkness trailer
1: honestly uh i'm kind of worried like like people have said that people um you know it feels like it could be a film that's been chopped up and those films have pacing issues across the board for me so the fact that if they took a film that's got so we say if it's to the standard of the other films if it's got those kind of pacing issues throughout and then chopped it into four kind of makes me a bit nervous but the the little clip they showed get like very strong like flashbacks to Blackhawk Down and yes. Resident Evil 5. Yeah. Um, overall, I'm I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how uh, Matt Mercer and Nick Apostolidis bounce off each other because, you know, two Leons in one room has got to be funny. <laughs> and,
0: and uh, uh, yeah, not against like, like, Claire and Glasses as well, by the way. I just to make yeah, like, sure we yeah. didn't <laughs> overlook that.
1: <laughs> but yeah, like, like Nick said, the, the, if if they're going to start like, throwing canonical things around, because like, I'm not, not trying to funny. it, if they do have a biohazard attack that's that successful and levels the White House, it should be an earth-shattering deal for the Resident Universe. Not something yeah. to gets swept under the rug. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I kind of hope that there's more going on, that the, the artwork is kind of portraying a theme, not necessarily what's happening. So, mm. yeah, I'm going to watch it. Looking forward to it for the fact that it's a Resident Evil canonical, I think entry but mm. otherwise get to wait and see you know see what, see what it tastes like see what the proof of the pudding is you know yeah. that kind of thing because yeah. no, so right. i am I'm very i'm very much a fence sitter for the live action stuff and the cgi stuff i apologize everybody i think
0: you know prior experiences uh <laughs> kind of inform that so that's fair <laughs> I th- but you know what you've said said a great thing as well you're so right you know we've just had village and now we've got another We have have to assume uh, a canonical story, which is nice because obviously we haven't had anything before then for a very long time, really. So to have two back-to-back new stories uh, is pretty cool.
1: I wonder if there'll be another post-credit sting that barely means anything or doesn't factor in at
0: all.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Our next bit of news. Uh, Dead by Daylight cross Resident Evil. uh, The chapter has been announced and is going to be releasing on June 15th.
0: Yeah, just a few days uh after we record this episode I'm, I'm very excited to pick it up and have a try um steve i don't oh, you haven't had a chance to play the game as far as i'm aware have you uh nick have you ever played dvd
2: i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> I, no, I i do i do I, I i i don't play such things no you'll be lucky to, you'll be lucky to get me out of a, a, a 3d platformer and resident evil that's about as far <laughs> as i go uh, even, even if it has got the uh, the resident evil branding on it that's fair um, enough Ooh. Isn't it? The, what, it's not. The, it's not. It's not the, uh, the four. The four v one thing. It is. Yeah. Uh, oh, is it? It's like the Silent the Silent Hill crossover that happened. Is that yes, the same it's the, that? it's now
0: crossing over to the game that Silent Hill has also crossed over into. It's it's the game that uh, right. Okay. Uh, Resistance has definitely taken some of the cues from. It's kind of like the the big one of that genre, four versus one genre.
2: Well, as Resistance sits very much bottom of my list of games, um, I, will not, I will not be enduring uh, a 4v1, even if it's a masterful 4x1, so uh, I'm afraid my contribution to this new segment is uh, nominal.
0: <laughs> well, I, I have played DVD a little bit, I picked it up um, <clears throat> just after the reveal actually, but not necessarily just because of the Resident Evil thing, but there's a lot of people on our Discord server that play the game and I was looking for something to play with them and um, yeah, we've had a good time with it. You know, it's 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 a fairly well-built game, so I'm interested to see how they handle the Resident Evil stuff. I did a breakdown video on it, so I suppose I don't necessarily need to go into my own thoughts on it too much, but they seem to have done a very good job in terms of uh, laying on the love of the series. You know, the map looks great, the characters and their skills look great and make sense. You've got the, you know, just small stuff like the item chest being... Uh, replacing the standard chest from DVD. You get the Resident Evil item chest instead. You get zombies, you know. It looks pretty neat, so I'm excited to try it out. Steve, is this going to convince you to pick the game up?
1: You know, if not that, it will be the peer pressure from the Discord server, because I know you're (laughs) all playing it. Um, I want to shout out the things that I've seen on Twitter, though, because it looks like they really have gone to town. Like, uh, a lot of people were a bit disappointed in Silent Hill's representation of Heather Mason, in Mm. that it doesn't look kind of anywhere near her original portrayal in Sound Hill 3 but no. uh, for the Resident Evil the Resident Evil 2 and 3 characters respectively they all look fairly bang on To their, they're not quite the same but they're close enough like we're talking 95-ish mm. percent to their remake counterparts which I think is solid um, gameplay wise I've watched a few people play it Nemesis looks fun I I, uh, I would probably play Killer rather than I would play Survivor but that's because I'm mean and I like to bully people <laughs>
0: I have the two. I actually, I do tend to swing more in the direction of playing uh, Killer if I'm playing by myself. That's a good fun time. So I'm I'm excited to try out sort of Nemesis's mood set. But yeah, it's, it yeah, should be good. It looks, looks decent. It's it's cool to see the RPD uh, sort of built up in a completely different engine. It's weird, but uh, it's also kind of funny that this is going to ar- arrive before our v- reverse So that's... Uh, yeah, I
1: was going to... I was going to mention that because it felt like while i was watching people play i thought is this just the reverse map and then no they've actually rebuilt something themselves mm. uh which is impressive you know a fair play to the dbd guys you know it can't be easy to replicate something like that i imagine with a different engine and all that mm. um yeah isn't there I, i'm not, not trying to stoke rumors but is it is it is it generally there's more characters maybe as skins or is that still like uh, we won't, I don't think we'll know
0: until it's out uh, in a few days. Um, that it has been done, um, with the Silent Hill one with Stranger Things and stuff. Um, the cosmetics for the for certain characters are actually other characters from the series, so it's certainly possible. Um, again, it's just as likely though that it being Leon and Jill that they've got plenty of outfits that you can pick from. You know, you could definitely put Leon in a RE4 jacket and put Jill in the stars uniform 100%. So I don't know. what remains to be seen. Uh, we'll we'll find out in literally three days. So yeah, interesting.
1: I want I lean Leon these re two remake windbreaker of you know Dawson's Creek. You know those sneakers and jeans. I may or not be easily pleased. <laughs> so our last bit of news: uh, Peter Fabiano has left Capcom after a thirteen-year career.
0: Yeah, was, oh. yeah. I think that's, we should at least acknowledge it um, because. Uh, that's a hell of a long time. Um, starting out as Resident Evil 5's uh, lead localization guy, I think is correct, and then um, winding up starring in RE Seven as Peter Walken as the uh, the face and I think probably the voice as well, um, and then being a producer on the on some of the more recent games. So you know, good for him. He's come under a lot of flack over the last few years, um, which is a shame, but. Uh, Interesting, interesting that he's you know jumping over to Bungie now. What, what you know? Who's going to fill that spot? He's he's ascended up the ranks to sort of. I think he's head of global R and D was his technical title, which is quite a quite a big seat to fill. So, Mm. Steve, what do you reckon?
1: Uh, best of luck to him like I appreciate all he's done but from what I understand Destiny is in a bit of a rough spot right now so I wish him the best of luck and I hope he can do what he did for Resident Evil to that and kind of get it back into a uh, more ship-shaped condition like you know I I have nothing against the man to be fair I think uh, I just wish him well
0: Yeah, I think that's a nice positive way to look at it because where I, that's, you know, you thought that way, I looked at it and went, and you thought you got some mean tweets from the Resident Evil community. I imagine (laughs) working on Destiny, I see a lot of people saying horrible things about that game. So, uh, yeah, that's all the best. Braver man than I. (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Nick, what do you reckon on this one?
2: I I I think he'll leave an interesting legacy hmm. um and it is pure, purely down to his um view on the canon. Yes. Um but it, it's not a negative thing. It is it's one of those things that I think a lot of fans of you know of the western world are have a very different mindset about what what is canon. And so when um he was asked about remake 2 remake 3 and all but all being in the in in the same universe people did not gel with that at all because you know i I made a video i think ages ago about listing hundreds of things in resident evil 3 remake what can't possibly work you know did jill do this did she go there blah blah you know Mm. and What's interesting that we've kind of picked up on over the past couple of years is that the the Japanese culture of these type of things is just not as important as it is in for kind of Western fans, if you like. Right. Um, you know, take for example, I think because I think we uh, when I spoke with Alex CVX freak, he was talking about the uh, the boarded up um, rooms in in Resident Evil Three, which obviously aren't there in Resident Evil Two. And in Japan, it's just considered it, it's there because it needs to be for story purposes. Jill isn't supposed to go to those parts of the RPD, so they just put up some, you know, a barrier to prevent that from happening. Now, we as fans will dig deep and to go, well, why is that there? You know, did Brian Irons go around <laughs> ripping them down, and you know, and, and there's all sorts of things you can kind of come up with and demand, but in for most, for seemingly, you know, I'm taking this from first-hand accounts from you know from Alex and stuff, is that the, the Japanese fans just don't. I say care. It just—it just doesn't matter as much. It's not as important as, as much. So when Fabiano said that, yeah, it all happens at the same time uh, between remake two, remake three, and the originals. For us, it, it, we struggled with that concept for the the obvious reasons. Um, how you know? Did, did she go by tram or did she go by subway? She can't have gone by both. It doesn't matter. Mm. Um, now whether that's. A sustainable approach going forward, I don't know. And I think that will be the long term legacy Fabiano leaves. If that approach is being very much adopted going forward um, with any future games, um, you know, arguably Brandon Bailey as the leader of the connections does not work if you stop and think about it. I mean, he's dead in 2006. Mm. Um, So, what was the point? There's no point. Are you going to suddenly bring him back? You know, they just picked a name because they liked it does it matter to most people okay maybe but it, it's so hard and I, I think fabiano's legacy will be determined at a later date um with, yes. with future projects that's fair that's just that's me. but you know he's a really nice guy isn't he he's very very enthusiastic mm-hmm. with these uh, press events and he, you could see he liked to get involved with them um so yeah and you know he's left the series much healthier than it was when he started to put it that way
0: yeah, absolutely. It'll be interesting to see, as you say, whether that sort of approach continues, um, if that's been ingrained in people perhaps uh, working under him who might ascend to mm. that, or if we're going to go a completely different direction or not with it. Um, but yeah, the future the future looks a little bit brighter, um, and he had a hand in that, so that's good. You know, think of where we were many years ago. So uh, props, yeah. props for his contribution to that. And now, reading excerpts from S.D. Perry's Resident Evil City of the Dead, Mike Martin, who you can follow on Twitter at, at Evil Deadites.
3: Leon raised the magnum and aimed at the closest, the man with the suspenders, while his instincts screamed at him to run. He was terrified, but his trained logic continued to insist that there was an explanation for what he was seeing, that he was not looking at the Walking Dead control, procedure, you're a cop. All right, that's far enough. Don't move. His voice was strong, commanding and authoritative, and he was wearing his uniform, and God, why wouldn't they stop? The man in suspenders moaned again, blind to the weapon pointed at his chest, and still flanked by the others, now less than ten feet away. Don't move, Leon said again and the sound of his own panic made him back up a step, darting his gaze left and right, seeing that there were still more of the wailing, lurching people coming out of the shadows. Something grabbed his ankle. No! he shouted, whipped the gun around, and saw that the corpse of the hit-and-run victim was scrabbling at his boot with one blood-crusted hand, working to drag her crippled body closer. Her grasping cry of frantic hunger rose to join those of the others as she tried to bite into his foot, bloody smears of saliva drooling off her abraded chin, dripping onto the leather. Leon fired into her upper back, the sharp explosive crack of the massive weapon loosening her grip, and at such close range, probably obliterating her heart. Spasming, she dropped back to the pavement. And he turned and saw the others were less than five feet away, and he fired twice more, the round splattering red flowers into the chest of the closest. The entry wound spouted scarlet. The man in suspenders was hardly phased by the twin gaping holes in his torso, his stagger faltering only for a second. He opened his bloody mouth and gasped out a hissing mule of hunger, hands raised again as if to direct him to the source of relief.
0: So it is Book Club, Episode 3, City of the Dead, the Resident Evil 2 adaption, um, yet another S.D. Perry Novel from her original contract, which I think in earlier episodes I've said was a three book deal, but now having done uh, another round of looking for more information and interviews and stuff she's done, uh, perhaps it was a four book deal when I was wrong. So, uh, either way, this is the third book, part of her original contract, um, and it was first published. And again, this is the, the, the case with the internet and some of this earlier stuff. Some places say it was first published in May 99, some places say it was first published in August 99. Um, and then it was re-released in September 2012, so um, fairly originally, fairly uh, soon after the the, the game. Not, uh, you know, immediately afterwards, but, you know, within a, a year or so. Um Let's start with our history with the book, um, and in Nick's case, your history with the series. Um, what was the first book with, of S.D. Perry's Resident Evil novels that you picked up? Was it the first one, or where did you jump in?
2: Yeah, so my first was The Umbrella Conspiracy. I remember um, when I kind of joined the, the early part of the fandom, people obviously talking about them. I think at that point, Co-Veronica was, had just been released. Oh, right. Um, so I think I was at that point, or very, very close to it. And um, it, it, it was getting bashed. I think a lot of them, you know, a lot of people didn't like them at all. And um, I remember discovering a small website called Amazon. And, um, <laughs> going, oh, look, they're available here. And I, I just kind of asked for them all for Christmas. And I remember um, just having a huge pile of books. I've got like all uh, five of them at the time. And mm. so I just got kind of to cr- cracked on with them simultaneously, uh, in, in in order. Nice. And uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, start with one, and then did Caliban, and then City of the Dead and stuff. And so yeah, Binge and then when reading. Zero, ke- I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember when Zero came out. Okay, that was the last one, wasn't it? Zero, mm. and I distinctly remember that getting that one uh, when it came out. So yeah, I've, uh, I've I've had them, and I'm pleased I've get, kept them actually because I, I like a lot of fans. At one point, I had a big. Merchandise purge, uh, much to my regret. Um, mm. And for some inexplicable reason, these survived. I don't know what, I don't know why. I I didn't sell them um when i sold great things like the gamecube chainsaw controller oh. um, and and some cool limited edition uh hunk no, no, limited edition leon action figure that sold but i i i kept all of the books and uh, i'm really pleased i have um because it's all the i've got all the original covers which are a billion mm. times better than yeah. the uh, well, yeah we'll,
0: we'll get to that I, I, we <laughs> say the same thing every time and i'm sure we always will but we'll get to that <laughs> Um, yeah, for me, as I've said on previous months, I haven't read a whole lot of the series. Um, <clears throat> City of the Dead was one that I did get to read, though, and this is, a, this is an ancient thing. Um, I was in a library once. Uh, I remember those, and I, they would always have those computers at libraries where you could basically just search out what stock they had, uh, and potentially order stock from a nearby library, uh, so if you were looking for a very specific book, um, and my interests were very specific. I wasn't really that bothered about reading uh, books that were just books. I was like, well, I want to read about things I really like. So I'd probably just go in there and just like bash Ghostbusters into the search bar and see what came up. Uh, and I did it for Resident Evil once, clearly, and Sissy of the Dead came up. And I was probably very excited because I knew Resident Evil 2 very well. I don't know how old I was, but I definitely at least played Resident Evil 2. Uh, so yeah, I rented that. I don't know if I got through the whole thing. But I definitely remember... Uh, taking a library version of City of the Dead home to read uh, one time in the, in the distant past. Steve, what was your experience with City of the Dead?
1: Pretty much the same as last time we talked about the books. I got them all like in a big, mm. sleeping, like set while I was at college. And it was a, a you know, right, I finished Cal- uh, Caliban Cove... Straight to Which, City Dead, uh, yeah, yeah. Just just plough through them. You know who does coursework and all these other important things while you're at college. Nah, I read Resident Evil books, fam. Um, <laughs> uh, essentially, essentially, it is not very deep. But you know, when when you start one episode, you have to then go on to the next. Uh, yeah, had a good time.
0: Nice. Okay. Well, as alluded to, let's start with judging a book by its cover rather than talking about the contents of it, and let's talk about the artwork of the book. Um, and as alluded to, no questions asked, at least on my end, <laughs> what I like out of them. Um, I've dropped three that I've come across on Google Image Search. Uh, if you look for City of the Dead Resident Evil, you should find all of these. The original 99 one, which is sort of a follow-on from what you'd expect. Um Leon and Claire sort of original drawing of them and it actually I like this one a lot because it's very much a throwback to Umbrella Conspiracy with Chris and Jill standing in front of the mansion and some uh monsters sort of hanging overhead this time in the fire you've got Licker, uh the female zombie and Birkin which is uh, I can go either way with that one I feel like maybe it should have been the tyrant out of the two but we'll, we'll get to why I think that later I'm sure um and yeah, the, the 2012 one's just the same same thing as all the rest. It's part of sort of like this very uniform series, just a couple of zombies hanging out. And there's uh, some original artwork for the Japanese release, which I think was released in, uh, really not that long ago, to be honest. I think it was like 2013, 2015, something like that, of uh, Leon trudging through the sewer. Um, Nick, any interest in... I know you say you don't like the reprint. What do you think of the Japanese one and what do you think of the original, of course?
2: starting with the original. Yeah, I like it. I mean, yeah, it's a bit of a uh, 90s Photoshop, isn't it, with the <laughs> yeah. original um with the original uh BOWs put into it. But I I like it. it what what I like about it most is uh, it's consistent as you said, consistent with Umbrella Chronicle uh, Umbrella Conspiracy and it works with the future titles as well. Um what I also like about it is that it matches the Biohazard 2 audio dramas. And that artwork they released, there's quite a similar sort of vibe going on with oh, them. Yeah. That kind of orangey, flamey, red colours hmm. um, that they that they did, and so I, I think it works quite well um, with, with with that. I, I, I just don't know what's going on with the 2012 one. Well, it's awful, is it? <laughs> yeah. What game is that from? It's from. Um...
0: I actually have no. Is it Umbrella Chronicles maybe or something? I think I
2: think it hmm. might be or Dark hmm. maybe even Darkside. I. I, was it, what are they standing? At? It looks like a looks like they're in a blooming World War One trencher, doesn't it?
0: Ab- it? Abysmal, it? It really does, you know. It's abysmal, isn't it? Really, it's like you couldn't even put Leon and Claire. Just some generic zombies. It's, it's very
2: bleh. yeah. I I don't like it. yeah. And and the Japanese one, I I, I like that a lot actually. That, that 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 does give the the impression of the kind of dankness. I've, I've not seen that one before actually, so that's quite um that's quite cool. Um, also just because I um for my guest appearance here the what I like about the originals is that if you were in Germany, the books carried on beyond Code Veronica oh, um, right. not not by, well kind of, not by S.D. Perry, um, but the oh, Blimey, uh, in, into, into the Liberty book and I think Blank Rose which was a fan book um, both of them fo- follow on the number sequence of their books Seven and eight.
0: Oh right, I didn't know that.
2: Uh, Yeah, they're they're not related at all. Mm. Um, But they they get the same sort of that that kind of you know the nice cool uh, bio has a triangle in the corner with the numbers. Mm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so they carry on. So if if you if you pick them up, you can you almost have like a a slightly elongated version of the of the collection. But they're not by Perry; they're by other people. But Mm. um, I always thought that was a a missed opportunity from. from the effort to have it translated and then carried on in that same manner.
0: This is <laughs> the great advantage of having you on, Nick. Is that we get some really like deep, hidden stuff like that that you know we wouldn't necessarily bring up before. Those books, I know about them. I had no idea something like that. Um, you know that they were printed that way. They're they're the mm. fan written books that won a competition. For those of you who don't know, they they won a Capcom competition to have their their fan writings printed something like that right wasn't it
2: yes yeah, yeah. that's right I can't remember Blank Rose de- yeah Blank Rose definitely I uh, can't remember Into the Liberty um, I, think then, I think it was I think
0: both the same sort of thing
2: mm, mm. they're not considered uh, they're, I don't know what another universe they're, mm. they're not considered um, canon just a fan made uh, reward if you like yeah um, they did but um, yeah if, if, you're, if you're German and uh, you, you probably would have books 7 and 8 <laughs>
0: uh steve what do you think of the overall swath of covers there
1: well like everyone's already said i think you know in consistent tone with the umbrella conspiracies cover city of the dead's original print cover looks fantastic Mm. admittedly i would like to have seen a giant almost like gargantuan godzilla-esque liquor however we will ignore the scale it just looks (laughs) it looks looks pretty good contrasting against the rest of the covers it's you know i would argue the most accurate into they're in a uh, you know, it's Leon and Claire amidst the chaos. Yeah, The reprint cover, I'm pretty sure anyone on Earth with Photoshop could achieve better. Uh, ev- everyone's seeing trenches. I'm just seeing we've gone to Plaid from space balls along the sides of the corridors with two... Uh, <laughs> they look like umbrella core zombies uh yeah the, the, the standout takeaway for me though is the japanese cover that looks fantastic it almost looks like you could put leon in aliens or something <laughs> like, I'm, i can't stop looking at it it's just like mm, i would watch i would watch a show with this kind of art style you know like leon-esque in almost reminds me of berserk in a way i don't mm. know why yeah yeah uh, very uh, on tone style It's a strange thing to choose, though. Leon, like, having been shot and limping through a sewer. But, yeah, I don't know. It just works. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, If I had to put a pin on which one I like the most, it's the Japanese one, followed by the uh, original cover. And then, you know, can we get some children to draw up some sketches to put in between? (laughs) Because City of the Dead's, like, redo cover. Jesus, that's phoned it. I'm sorry. I'm offended by it. It's just (laughs) awful. Like...
0: They're all bad, but this is, yeah, I think this is definitely. It's not even got Leon and
1: Claire on it. I know. Terrible. It's just really terrible. Some zombie lady and some zombie dude going, uh, missed opportunity. (laughs) Missed well, opportunity. let's uh, let's pull the
0: book open then. Let's talk about the contents of what I think is probably the longest book in the series. Um, it's definitely the longest book so far by a wide margin. I actually checked. Caliban Cove has something like two hundred and twenty something pages, I think, whereas this is three hundred and twenty something. It's an extra third as long, basically, um, which is quite interesting. Um, let's talk about. I know this is a rather b- a broad one, but basically the story. Not necessarily so much as um, sort of comparing it to the video game uh, and adaptation. I'm, I'm sure that of course that has to come up, but just sort of how S. C. Perry handles the story of, of, as everyone knows, Leon and Claire arriving in an infected Raccoon City. um overrun with zombies. Coming across fan favourite characters like Sherry, Ada uh irons ben and so on it's 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 pretty much all in here i mean that's my first point is that this is um despite being really long there is kind of like no extra fluff maybe a couple of chapters perhaps were unnecessary but i didn't hate any of it it did none of it felt like it was dragging for me Uh, there were parts where i was kind of like you know, maybe it would have been nice to have a little more time in the RPD. It feels a little bit fleeting in the grand scheme. And it would have been nice to have the scene where um, Leon and Claire catch up in the RPD, in the star's office or in the, the hallway outside the library. Uh, but in the same vein, I understand why that's not there, because it, it doesn't really add too much to the narrative and the book's going to be long enough as it is. So, yeah, I think it's, it's everything that it needs to be in terms of telling the story. Um, Nep, how do you feel about this uh, from a story perspective?
2: yeah so i've i've not read the book for such a long time so um I, I couldn't remember any of it really so going back to read it was was refreshing um and almost like a new experience i mean it, it's leon a claire b Yes, um, if anyone uh was unaware um so you kind of get that story but she does um a good job i think in 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 telling everything bar say, cherry's infection storyline that's mm-hmm. uh, that's omitted but of course that's omitted in in uh, Claire B, anyway. Right. So it's, it, I, I thought it was extremely faithful um, on, on the whole. I thought it, uh, the, the interactions were good and uh, it moved along, as you said, at quite a very good pace. Um, as someone, if anyone knows me, knows I read a lot of Star Wars books and Star Wars mm. novelizations, and um, if anyone's ever read the Force Awakens novelization, that moves along at a nice, uh, kind of like a quite a slow pace, and then basically the last half an hour of the film is dealt with in like 10 pages or something it just suddenly it's like oh my god i got to finish it you know mm. um and it, it it leaves a sour taste in the mouth without with that adaptation this one i felt all the points were covered in a, in a right in a, in the in the correct order um and it never dragged and um you know i i didn't feel it was rushed or anything like that and um it, it I don't know. I, I, I was I was pleasantly surprised at the. Mm. I think we'll talk about the kind of characterizations a bit more. Yeah. But, um. I I think it kind of covered everything, and um. I was I was very pleased with with it.
0: I wonder if it was. Um. Uh, I mean, at this point, with the game having been brand new, you know, we don't know A, and we still kind of will argue about A and B and stuff like that. You know, we don't didn't mm. know any implications. I don't know if it was an intentional you'd think that she'd rather do it this way. Maybe she didn't know, perhaps, that it was the other way around. Um, She said before in interviews that she writes them based on playing the game over and over again, and at times recording uh, a playthrough of the game and watching it back. um, Probably easier to sort of like transpose the dialogue into the book that way, when you can just pause and and play it and stuff. Um, That being said either she really wanted to put Claire in jeopardy or she, her Claire playthrough was uh, off very much on hard mode because uh, she misses <laughs> the bow gun and the grenade launchers. You know, she winds up with two handguns and that's all she's got. Whereas Leon starts the book with a desert <laughs> <evil. laughs> eagle. Yeah. He gets a shotgun before he encounters anything other than a zombie. You know? <laughs> someone's playing on hard and someone's playing on easy in this one. That's <laughs> sure. Steve, what do you think of the uh, adaption of the story? Well, not the adaption of the story, but the story itself.
1: Uh, a few minor, like you know, shoves to the side and like um, continuous issues. I think it's decent. Uh, very much like more. In line with the game than you know than the umbrella conspiracy was, and that wasn't exactly terrible for it. Like you know, people having overpowered guns, and some people having like access to infinite item boxes, like Ada who can just carry everything she needs. <laughs> Aside, I feel like if you'd have re- if you have wrenched the uh, the acknowledgement of Trent from the story, this would have been the closest a game to book adaptation for the era would yes, have been. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised, and like Nick said regarding pacing, I read this a few times in preparation for the podcast, and then I did it again. In the past three days, and I just couldn't put it down. So it's, it's been, yeah, that's probably a good sign. I think. Nice. Um,
2: I would I say, think... by the way, if you so interrupt, if you substitute the word Trent for Wesker, fine. <laughs> <would be> <laughs> yeah. Seriously though, because I, I, I mentally did that because uh, you know Trent's a funny character. But replace pl- replace the word Trent with Wesker, and it's it's a hun- almost one hundred percent accurate. Bar nice. the epilogue with David Trapp. You know, mm-hmm. apart, you know it, it works surprisingly well when Ada's yeah. going. I wonder, I wonder, who Trent is. Like, what you know, how did he know about the the Mansion incident and things like that? Replace it with Wes, going you go, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, exactly.
1: I'm going to throw my hat into a ring as to why it's probably Leon A and Claire B. Disc one was Leon. Disc yeah. two was Claire. Yeah, yeah, that, that's I probably why. Yeah, There is an admitted scene I'm kind of gutted about in that that Sherry gets like zero closure on both of her parents because she doesn't see what happens to Annette or Mm. William, not really. Mm -hmm. Um, I suppose that's more of a character thing. Um, Yeah, honestly, the story as a whole was fine. Enough for me to read through it multiple times, which, spoiler, so far, I have not read each book multiple times in preparation for the podcast. I've read them once in preparation for the podcast. So that's something, right? That
0: is something, especially since it's such a chunky book, you know, compared to the other ones. As I said, there's it's definitely a easier me- situation.
1: It may be an re two level of bias.
2: Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that feeling well. <laughs> I, I do uh, think help, I do think it helps that it's easy. again with like when you read Caliban Cove and Underworld, it it's easier on your mind because you know what these places oh, are yeah, like as well. You can well. absolutely yeah.
0: visualise it. Yeah, hundred percent it's and and when sort of like little changes come up it's actually kind of pleasant in that way you can sort of see it happening in the locations that you know so well um stevie sort of alluded to there the uh ada sort of solving the puzzles and stuff and there's a moment where she drops the plugs for leon to find right by the doorway to use them i love stuff like that you know um you know and she said in an interview that i read that just because it helps it from a book perspective, you don't want people just running back and forth through hallways in a book. It's not interesting to read. So it's interesting to see how she sort of like outsmarts the game Uh, early on with Claire arriving at the RPD, uh, coming across the the flaming wreckage of the helicopter instead of amassing two parts to make a bomb, combining them and then blowing it up. Yeah. She just finds a fire extinguisher and then kicks the door down, <laughs> which I absolutely love. That's loved. what Redfields do. Exactly. Uh, you know yeah. I mean, I love that. It really did make me laugh.
1: Yeah. Um, the only thing, I think this is because we, we fall into like the super fan bracket and we know all these rooms and these areas off by heart. I would like to have known how it would have sat with people are they not the context for the game? Because I feel like, I don't know, sometimes it felt like I got the general picture of the room, but I don't know what a uh, person who hadn't experienced RE2's impressions of the RPD would be like. It feels almost very small, despite the descriptions of some of the things. I don't know, for some reason, the book version felt very compact for a police station or the RPD.
0: Yeah, there is... uh... I don't think they even ever really go sort of on one side of the wing of the RPD. Not really. It might be briefly mentioned. But mo- yeah, a lot of the rooms don't even get a look in. Um, you know, like the the liquor corridor whenever comes up. I thought it was actually, speaking of slight changes, I thought it was really funny that it, it appears like, it read to me that the sort of liquor experience that Claire has is in the hallway it, outside the Star's office, which is yes, it was, know, yeah. <laughs> really yeah. funny considering a Remake 2, that's the, uh, the location where you first encounter a liquor. Uh, just, you know, funny stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were talking in the Caliban Cove episode um, about how, you know, you've got zombies in that book with guns and, and stuff like that, and how, at the time, with so few, such little source material to go on, you could kind of understand why S.G. Perry uh, came to that conclusion. And you get a little bit of that here as well with the liquors, um, being called RE3s, <laughs> which is a book-exclusive term. But, it, you know, in hindsight, it does kind of make sense when that's the only experience you got and you don't have all these guidebooks and stuff like that. It kind of looks like a reptile. Well, the, the mammals are M-A and Neptune is F-I, so this thing must be R-E for reptile. I can at least understand. And yep. I, You know, I like her guesswork. I, I find uh, her guesses interesting. Mm. So this book is also sometimes credited with the uh, incorrectly with first use of Mr. X as well, which, which is uh, at least where the name was popularized for the the Western audience, I think, right? Because it's first printed on the action figure, which I don't think everyone would have seen the action figure necessarily. Um, But the book, I imagine, perhaps got into more hands uh, and got talked about a bit more. Uh, outside of the internet so that's perhaps where the name mr x really started to spread but it does and i learned this uh this is the first time in the western version of the canon if you like that we got marvin's surname because it's never said in re2 and i I don't think it's mentioned in the manual or anything like that but uh whilst it was already established yeah apparently so it was established in japan probably in a guidebook but this is the first time in english that it's actually written marvin brown i believe so there you go zero closure for him though
2: I did not know that. Yeah.
0: So there you go. <laughs> wow. Hot wow. knowledge.
2: <laughs> see, Perry's ahead of the game. You see, as said, Mister X is now semi been canonised, isn't it? In existence. Great canon. Yeah. Oh, dear. And then, <laughs> and the word liquor as well. Oddly. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, there we go. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I I've never had a problem with Mister X um, as a name. Um, it's is a kind of colloquial name, but it, I suppose it, it it makes sense in this because, of course, Claire and Leon wouldn't have a clue what it's called, so yes. it made perfect sense to call right. it Mister Oh my God, it's a tyrant! The tyrant walked forward. Well, that that wouldn't that wouldn't work within the context of what Leon and Claire are experiencing.
0: Mm. So yeah, I do. I agree exactly. Again, then she comes up with a good reason. For something Mm -hmm. like that where Claire is just scrambling for names uh one of one of which she says is Dr. Evil which is obviously again in in hindsight is a bit stupid now but uh yeah you know contextually it 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 works it's fine um so speaking of of Claire let's talk about the characters I guess um Steve any any standout well-written characters for you
1: still kind of like a lot of them uh you know well the principal four anyway uh Annette was okay as you could Kind of get the feeling of her mind shattering as she's like falling and taking injuries, and then taking mm. copious amounts of painkillers to you know supplant it. But I think that the, the the big takeaway for me was just Ada's internal struggles as she goes throughout this mission. It's, it's more believable for me than the actual game was, where Leon and Ada start making out mm. before she dies. You know the the fact that there's a a level of tension and mistrust. She's trying to find ways to lose him. I, yeah, I really enjoyed that, and especially uh, again, uh, Claire and Sherry. You get to see what Sherry's mindset is, and uh, the, the fact that she's running away to try and keep Claire safe because Claire's the first nice person she's met is uh, is kind of heartwarming.
2: Yeah, I no, yeah. I really liked Ada's uh, interactions. I liked her um, flashback. She had a couple of flashback scenes, didn't she? When she was in town earlier, um, talking, mm. you know, talking about what she was going to do and. You could the believability of her almost falling for Leon, uh, was, was there. And I think if you just played the game and then read this, that is exactly what adaptations should do. They get into people's minds, uh, during particular scenes and circumstances. And I think that worked really well. Personally, for me, the highlight was Irons. I really <laughs> like what they did with Irons. Um, in the game, he's he's. Like, he's slimy isn't he he's a bit like um, you, you're unsure in fact when you, when you first meet him you feel a bit sorry for him he's obviously got this uh, affection towards um, the mayor's daughter who actually guessed the name wrong I think in this book didn't she of course, yeah. um, but yeah, it's fine it's not a problem uh, you know and in the game he's quite uh, he's not a nice bloke but he's, he's certainly not the weird character he's in remake 2 that over the top I, I'm clearly the baddie. This one, I think Perry got it halfway between the two, and I think that's to Brian Irons', um you know, credit really in the way that he's handled. He can't, when he interacts with Claire, um, you know, he's got all his script from the game, but then he adds a bit more to it, and then you hear his internal wranglings, and he's absolutely paranoid about Umbrella taking him down, and he's convinced Claire is a spy for Umbrella. Um, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't. He doesn't believe her story about her being uh, Claire Redfield, despite looking a bit like Chris. Um, He's absolutely convinced that, you know, this is someone determined to take him out. And so when the moment comes when he is killed by Birkin and stuff, there's a bit more, yeah, to it, because he is a bit, he's he's a lot more, uh, you know, Matt. Not to say manic, because that's not. It's not. He, he's not quite like. That. He's still in control a bit because there's a lot of scenes where he going, where he's kind of like coming to the end. He's going, right. This is, this is it. The end is coming. I'm just going to do my last, yeah. Whatever he wanted to do. Um, but you, you get you you feel that um, that kind of uh, mad element, that paranoia, and that feeds into the atmosphere and the environment that he's in. Uh, with his kind of you know, taxidermy and stuff, and I don't know, I, I just felt a bit, a bit more, um, you know, a bit more yes when he was when he was taken out.
0: Yeah, he's a uh, he's definitely an interesting one, especially sort of his earlier chapters. Um, Perry really made him like truly schizophrenic early on because he sort of. He's kind of thinking, you know, oh, there's this body in my hands and she's looking at me and smiling at me and all this, she's, you know, she's dead already, you know, um, it's truly creepy. I completely agree with both that and Steve, what you were saying about both, what, what both of you were saying about Ada, you know, um, renownedly, I'm not the biggest Ada fan, but <clears throat> I really liked this version of her. I really like that story being told. It's often, it's funny because it's what people say, you know, when books get adapted to movies and other media, people always go, the book's better. But, you know, books have that advantage of sort of letting you into a character's thoughts. Because as as you said, Steve, you know, the, the the love story between them on game is, you know, it's difficult to slot it around a game. Whereas in the book, yeah, you get to have both of these sort of internal monologues of these characters. Um, and she really does make it make a lot of sense and how they view each other. Um, and specifically, just how she, you know, writes Ada, I love... You know, there's one particularly brilliant line I had to write because uh, I just thought it was the most Ada thing, which is, if there's one thing Ada knew, it was men were easier to handle when they thought they were in control. I was like, man, that screams Ada from 98 to the present day. That, like, well done for, like, nailing that part of her character, definitely. Um also, Leon, separately. I really liked Leon straight from the off. You know, I felt like she understood who Leon was. Uh, I like the way that she writes him as a kind of a daydreamer at the beginning. He's thinking about when he arrives in Raccoon City and he thinks something's up, but, he, you know, he doesn't know the full circumstances. He starts daydreaming about the being the big hero uh, of it and all this. Uh, I really like that. I could, see, I could see young Leon being like that before his, you know, world gets torn asunder by that night. Um... And the justification. He even gets a dumb one-liner, doesn't
1: he? Uh, At the end, uh, he takes out Birkin and it's like, you know, I need a raise.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's right, (laughs) exactly. And I also like the justification for his lateness in this uh, stuck in New York traffic that he hadn't planned for. It's like, yeah, you know, okay, that kind of works. That kind of works.
1: So is Leon from New York in this continuity? In fact, is everyone from New York in this continuity? (laughs) It feels like it.
0: I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, mm. is is it are the Redfields from New York in this in the books as well? I know they are in certain tellings. I don't know if it was the Perry books or not.
1: Um, I know Leon comes from New York. At least, he's, he's yeah. headed from New York. Ada is headed from New York. Um, I'm assuming <laughs> right. you know Brian Irons came in from New York. Uh, <laughs> ben Bertolucci flew in from New York. No, I'm kidding. No, those last two aren't serious. But uh, it, it just seems very oddly. Uh, is that where it was meant to be placed in the like in the geographical map of the era? Is that hmm. where they thought Raccoon City was?
0: I think in like, the books, two it's... steps down below. Yeah, I think in the books it's Philadelphia, isn't it? Um, yeah. or, or at well, least, or, or stuff, rather, yeah. Pennsylvania.
2: Yeah, in order to be stuck in traffic from New York suggests you are relatively close. Um, Yeah. Long drive. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And of course, Caliban's in Maine, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. uh, Northeast. Yeah.
0: The other line that I had to write down that I really like for characterization, and it's not even a character who's really in the book, um, but also at the beginning where Claire is searching for. Chris and she decides to head to Emmy's diner in search of him because it's a popular spot for him to go because and I quote Chris can't cook worth a damn And I was like I love that I bet he can't of course he can't Chris Redfield can't cook you know he can't do the simple math to make the V jolt mixing so I imagine he doesn't even know how to make spaghetti bolognese so I I just thought that's such a that is such a nail on the head Chris thing well done to her I love that
3: Claire aimed but hesitated, terrified of making a horrible mistake, until it took one massive step forward on tree-trunk legs, and she heard the crunch of denting wood beneath its booted Frankenstein feet, and saw the black eyes, black and rimmed with red. Like lava-filled pits in a misshapen white boulder, blank but not at all blind, his gaze found hers, and he raised one meaty, clenched fist, the threat unmistakable. Shoot! 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 She squeezed the trigger one, two times, and saw the impact. A flap of its lapel blew into shreds just below his collarbone, and the second shot slicing cleanly through one side of the neck. And he took another step, not a flicker of expression passing over his rough-hewn features, the fist still raised seeking a target, seeking to crush. The black smoking hole in its throat wasn't bleeding. In a rush of adrenaline-boosted dread, Claire pointed the handgun at the creature's heart and pulled the trigger repeatedly, the giant taking another step, striding into the stream of explosive fire without flinching. And she lost track of the shots, unable to believe that it could still be coming, less than ten feet away as the rounds hammered its mammoth chest. And the gun clicked empty even as the monster stopped in its thundering tracks, swaying from side to side like a tall building in a high wind. Without taking her shocked gaze from the reeling giant, Claire grabbed another clip from her vest and fumbled through reloading, her brain crazily trying to name this Walking Abortion. Terminator. Frankenstein's monster. Dr. Evil. Mr. X. Whatever it was supposed to be, the seven-plus semi-jacketed rounds to the chest had finally taken effect. Silently, the towering creature slumped to his right, Falling heavily against one smoke blackened wall and sagging there, not crumpling, but not moving either.
0: Uh, speaking of quoting lines, let's talk about S.T. Perry's writing style. I've always been of the opinion that she's a very competent writer, you know she won't be winning any uh major awards, but she's never really let me down. I never read anything was like well, that was really poorly written. You know she's got some issues with weaponry, and she's she's faced that in the intervening years that she didn't understand. The difference between a clip and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, in this book in particular, there's a moment where she claims that the Remington shotgun is more powerful than the Magnum. I don't know what game she was playing, but that's not the <laughs> game that I was playing. Um, Steve, what do you think of the, the writing style in this?
1: I did a, you know, the, the fact that we go from so many perspectives, it feels like there's a massive swivel because there's so many like principal cast members this time, that yeah, compared to Caliban Cove, I really enjoyed it. It was nice that because I could get a distinct feeling of each character's own head when she was writing them, and they're like in a monologue, especially like Brian and his you know almost Norman Bates esque mm. schizophrenia meltdown. And yeah, like I said, the, I think Ada is done spectacularly in this. I think all of them really. I, um, I when she's writing inside a character's mind. I genuinely enjoy. It. I do feel like, like I said earlier, the the locations. I feel like because we have the context of obviously playing these games, where we're, we're riding it a bit easy. I yeah. uh, sometimes it feels like the the locations could use a bit of work. The geography gets a bit I, weird you in know, my head.
0: I hadn't thought about it, but you, you you're right. I definitely agree with that.
1: Mm. Uh, but the, the, you know, that aside, the, the the actual characters and stuff like that I really enjoyed it. Uh, I had no real complaints. I liked some of the tweaks to what things that happened, like the the throwdown with Mister X is now more. He's trying to punch in the back of the train to get at Birkin Five. Basically, was on the train already, but they don't know that. Mm. And Claire gets in the way, or at least it feels that way. And uh, you know, takedowns of a tyrant with a heavy machine gun aside, it was okay. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, you know I, I the descriptions know of gore and violence was strong in this one. I thought that the actual gore.
0: Oh, right. As she writes. Interesting, because I, I, you know, I've said it in previous episodes, and I'm sure I'll say it again. Um, but I, yeah, I think her gore writing is good. For this one, maybe there's not as much as it. That's why it didn't stand out too much to me. Maybe it just seemed a little bit less of it. But it didn't stand out as much as the last two books. But yeah, some of her uh, general writing is really good. There's a moment where she describes a, zomb- a zombie as graceless yet silent, which I thought was quite inspired. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And, yeah, and even all- Misty gets a shout out, doesn't she? Technically, Absolutely, technically, yeah. That's, wh- name. that's why she's on the cover. Yeah, they definitely <clears throat> particularly pointed out Misty, which I thought was nice. Yes. I love just stuff like that that she does is great, you know. Explanations for small things as well. Claire's lack of decent bike clothing is because her roommate borrowed them. And then Claire has panicked about Chris and, and just jumps on a bike, uh, which I thought was, you know, Perry looking at silly things and then at least trying to come up with a reason for them and not just accepting it, which is which is kind of cool. Um, Nick, what do you think of the, the writing style of S.D. Perry in this book and in general, I guess?
2: I, 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 As I said earlier, I think I think it is right. When it is an adaptation, You give, it, it's easier on your mind because mm. you know what she's describing. It doesn't take a lot to work out. Oh, this is the West office or this is the Star's office. And, she, you know, that's... A, you you can just visualize it. So I always found reading the original novels a lot more, say, challenging in that sense. Um, and I think that they're the better examples to see where perhaps some of the writing is a bit su- not. I say subpar. It's not. That's not true. I, you know, it's perfectly readable. I thought her descriptions of like the liquors were very good. Mm. Um, they sounded very gruesome in the way that she described them um it, it, The inside-out men, I think, was the term that yes, <laughs> were kind of used right. throughout. There. and that's true, isn't it? You know, the fact that you can see the brains and all the muscles and the kind of the sinew and things like that—it's—it's it's a perfect description of it. And um yeah, the you got that feeling, didn't you? It's certainly true in the first book about the you know the, the smell and the. Mm. the the rancid nature of, of of the of the zombies and I I thought it was fine I thought it I, you know I thought the the kind of bow element worked really well uh, Mister X is written very imposingly mm. um, you know you the kind of desperation that they that she writes when they shoot her you know she'll do it quite quickly like one two three bam 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 like that mm. you know then it's like bam 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 no effect that kind of you know that kind of element it yeah. really it uh, gives that impression that you're up against some formidable you know, machine. Which, of course, you are. Um, then uh, I think Birkin was. I think Birkin was p- possibly the weakest. The way it's described, I think it is hard to describe in writing. Um, mm. I think there's some. I think Leon takes some time to talk about him on the tram. Yes, uh, the transformation. Of, yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, you, you give it a slight free pass because you know, mm. you know what it is. You you can, you can visualize it because you know the artwork you know the style whether whether it's harder for non-gamers to to understand it's hard it's impossible for us to to decide um because we know Hmm. but i think i I think yeah i wasn't entirely convinced that birkin was best described in this one compared to the others but uh, as i said it certainly wasn't um problematic reading it um and i you know i was I said it's been such a long time since I've read these. I was actually pleasantly surprised about how well it was written, because um, you you just get ingrained with the idea that they're rubbish. Because that's what <laughs> that's what, that right. is what has been. You do you do because you know, that's what's been said for so long about, and it's, as I said, it's only kind of recently there's been this bit of a renaissance with these books i think i uh, when i when you asked me to come on here i, I posted a tweet and look what i'm reading mm. you know on twitter it, it took off and i was like yes it's a great book and i was like is it i can't remember <laughs> and uh, yeah. it, honestly it was I mean, probably at least 15 years ago um and as i said it was you know it was a, it was a nice enjoyable read and um i i, I read so much now uh, in science fiction and Star Wars, so i you know i, I read and embrace all different styles mm. um, you know we t- spoke about earlier in the in the news about the the young adult live action written evil well I read a load of young adult Star Wars books, and mm. I find them perfectly readable and enjoyable and I think this falls into the same sort of bracket in terms of uh writing style. It's different, but it works
0: yes, absolutely. I completely agree with what you're saying about how she's good at sort of setting the right mood at certain points, like the Mr. X, yeah. it does feel imposing that final, uh, boss fight with the T one Oh three feels very tense. Um, one other scene that stood out as the, this helicopter crash it feels even cooler in the book than it is in the game. The way that she describes sort of like the yeah. <laughs> sort of the light on the helicopter flying around the rooftop and stuff like that. I was, yeah, I was very into that. Um, with Birkin, and this is sort of like moving into the next section as well, um, I think, yeah, it's difficult to describe him. But my issue, and also why maybe he shouldn't be on the front cover for me, is that I felt like his presence in this book was very limited. Um, and I know RE2 is very complicated. I understand that. That's why we've got such a hefty book. She did a fantastic job, as we've all said, uh, of putting that story on the page. But he's hardly in the book you know, in the game, you the game sort of feels like you are feeling this looming presence of Birkin the entire time. Not just the monster, but the man and what he's done and his goals and his paranoia. It's always in the background, it's, you know, it's a big part of why everything's happened. Um, yeah. Whereas in the book, not so much. He's Sherry's monster who sort of shows up for a fight on the train car. Uh, when leon defeated him i thought he was gonna scrabbling away because he'd uh sensed sherry or something and then claire was gonna have a fight with him but not so much and then at the end yeah he's he's g5 but i would have liked to have seen a bit more him i suppose but i then then the problem is at the sort of like what do you take out you know how how do you fit that in how does that, how's that all gonna slot together when there's so many other moving parts um you know re 2 has two two recurring stalking sort of boss enemies so one does need to sort of take a bit more of a backseat but I don't know for me this the RE2 story is very much about Birkin and the family the, you know the Birkin family so out of the two I would have gone that way but you know again maybe that's a little bit of hindsight let's talk about though uh, in general how it feels about uh, as, as, a, as an adaptation of the game, um, Nick, how do you feel about uh, what the cha- changes from the game to the book? Anything that stood out that you thought was really good or really bad, or just just different in an interesting way?
2: Uh, it's it, it's it's with re too because there's so many different variables, isn't there? It, it, even in the official canon, it's like is it is it Claire A, Leon B. Um, well, you know, bits of bits of Claire B are used mm. uh, in some storyline. So, you know, she's picked, she picked a perfectly viable choice, should we say. Um, it misses out, obviously, a lot of the G-infection um, storyline with Sherry, but then on the other side, we get the cool scene with Ada and Leon uh, mm. dangling over the edge. Um, you know, this, so this is what everyone's dying for, kind of moment. This is slightly retweaked in the book, I think, but it's you know it builds up and i think annette gets a good amount of description you know Mm. there's a there's a bit where she goes and she fell asleep thinking about william you know dreaming about william or something like that and it's like it that helps and i think that's kind of like repeated again in remake two where annette gets a much bigger starring role um so again she's you know pushing pushing different characters which are later then kind of followed up so um You know, you could you could easily argue it's a it's a perfect adaptation of the material at the time. Um, It it covers all the basics, all the basics and the basis of Leon A Claire B. Um, It it continues on from the storyline of um, umbrella conspiracy. It carries Mm. on with Trent, you know, which is fine. And so, it it, you know, if you follow the Trent storyline up to um, because obviously you want to probably read Resident Evil three next as opposed to um, underworld, by the way, <laughs> for your next oh, one. Oh, really? Yeah, because, although Nemesis is book five, um, Underworld takes place post. You probably <laughs> want to do Underworld last. You oh, want to okay. Do, you'll do Nemesis... Mm. Well, you might want to go back and do zero actually. <laughs> 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 Never says Underworld's the last one, I think. All right, okay. Well, if memory serves me correctly, so you might want to save that one. But um, yeah, so you know it carries on with a kind of Trent storyline, and I, I remember reading again. I, I, I was quite heavily invested in what Trent was going to pull off because um, you know it could have happened in the, in the games at some point. So I. I I, I struggled to fault it. I really did. I and um, I, 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 as I said earlier, I, I was surprised by it. I was surprised by the fact that I enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, and so I, I just like the addition of the that an adaptation can bring, such as you know the the, the thoughts of um, Ada and um, yeah, Annette, Brian that... in particular. Yeah, mm. Ben it's... was okay. Ben was okay.
0: Yeah. Um, he uh he didn't get get jobbed off quite as bad as poor Kendo did you know he didn't even get a word in <laughs> he's he's dead when you know when we find him in the book
2: uh, yeah so yeah because he, go. he got he was the G embryo death wasn't he that was that was that's what I wanted to mention the G embryo was good actually the baby, baby G whatever you want to call them mm. the G adult uh I like that that was that was gruesome and that was well. That was well scripted, actually. So yeah, I said I, the the overall adaptation. I said bordering on perfect mm. um, of of the of of the actual material on screen, should we say? Whether a better book could have been produced, that's that's possible. You can easily you can easily expand upon it even more if you wanted to. But that is the benefit of hindsight. That's the benefit of, you know, another twenty odd years of games that you could add to it. You know, where's Kevin Ryman? You know, know, all sorts, all sorts. But you've got to kind of take it back to where it was at that particular point. She kept true to the script. She kept true to the ideas of Leon A. Claire B and added just a little sprinkle of her things, of her Mm. little ideas with Trent and Um, David Trapp and the others and for me that worked wonderfully well and you know what, if someone wants to have that in the have City of the Dead in particular in their head canon why not, why not (laughs) replace Trent with Wesker you're kosher exactly,
0: Um, yeah I think, speaking of Annette particularly, um, there's quite a lot of different perspectives in this book to be honest, Claire, Leon, Mm. Sherry Ada, Irons Annette, I think it might be all of them. There might even be another one, for, but it's it's quite a lot. Um, I was surprised by the Annette one, and pleasantly surprised, in fact. Um, I In the original RE2, to me, I don't know, it, it doesn't feel like she's necessarily trying to stop G. I never necessarily got that impression. It feels like she's just kind of watching what happens. But in this, she's got like she has a very defined goal of, I'm going to make sure yeah. he's in the lab. Uh, and blow the blow lab up, to, to hell blow it up. Yeah. so yeah. that no one can get the virus. And I really like that idea. As you said, she's sort of like the grief of what's happened has become vengeance that's driving her, and she starts losing it. She starts dosing herself up to deal with some of the injuries that she goes through as well. I, I thought that was very strong. Um, in the grand scheme of things her and Irons sort of blur together a little bit by the end because they wind up both being insane, paranoid nut jobs driven by rage uh, and, and the belief that Umbrella has betrayed them, which is a bit of a shame. But that being said, the writing was strong in general. Um, Steve, how do you feel about this book as an adaption of RE2? Pretty
1: much what everyone else has said. It's just strong. It's not. I, I would argue there's, there's moments that I would have liked to have seen. Like, you know, for example, full... Full circular closure on Marvin, mm. seeing a character that we've established and talked to fall apart, and then you have to shoot them—that kind of thing. Uh, we, the truck driver, kind of just appears from nowhere to ram the car. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes, he does. You know, yeah,
1: yeah. there's not even a "Why'd bite me?" or anything like that. <laughs> uh, you know, but it's yeah, no, I, I, it's the first book for this for this book club that I've read multiple times in preparation for. And that's probably a good sign. I again, it could be my. Well, if you enjoyed RE two as a whole and never want and, and wanted to see an A to C campaign, this is the closest <laughs> you're probably going to get. You know, um, and I, uh, yeah, th- th- there are things that bother me. Like, for example, Birkin, uh, as my uh, my colleagues on the podcast have uh, rightly said, kind of downplayed his final his final encounter. It feels like he might as well have been a giant football with an eye on, and Leon just pops it. <laughs> I, uh, it it's kind of like luster compared to the whole. Oh god, the train car. We need to dec- you know, detach it and explode it, or let him like, you know, overcome it and get blown up. There's none of that. It's kind of anticlimactic. You just shoot him. He deflates. He dies. And Birkin is gone. And Sherry will never know what happened to her mother or her father because the, you know, the adults are talking and they're determined to. Issue around the issue. Mm. I do like that they, they actually give a bit more closure as well to how they get out of the city because that's something I've always wanted to see. I want to see them get picked up by the military or something. And the fact that it's just conveniently, you know, Rebecca and David are just happen to be driving down the right road at the right time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, all in all, fun times. Fun times. Yeah. Uh, is it the best book in the series? We haven't read them all yet. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Part of me still wants to, like, I had a lot of fun with Caliban Cove, and I had a lot of fun with Umbrella Conspiracy, but my RE2 biases are throwing me for a ringer, and I, yeah, I had a really good time with this one.
2: Mm. The code, just as a sport, from my point of view, the, the Code Veronica one's pretty good as well, actually.
1: I'm um,
0: excited to read that one. I yeah, definitely am.
2: Yeah, I think I think you'll enjoy that one. I think that's quite faithful as well. Um, mm. well
0: I this, think... yeah. I, yeah, I, I agree in terms of like an adaption RE2. If you're an RE2 fan, you should definitely give it a go. Um, it's it's another way to experience that story without playing the game. And there ain't nothing wrong with playing the game a hundred times. We've all done it. But it's interesting to, to sort of see this take on it um, unless... I mean, have you taken into account that there's no moth in it? Then maybe I guess it goes in the bin because that's a <laughs> that's a that's a sore spot. Yeah, no ivies and no moth. You know what? Again, that's that's the case of it, as we say, things do need to get cut around, um, and those things make sense. Of course, it's just it would have been
2: remake two again, isn't it? Obviously, no. the, obviously the the Capcom read Steve Perry. Uh, right, We're they didn't. Do that. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> replay
0: the game. They just read the book and went right. Okay, yeah. we got the idea. <laughs>
1: No um, mash Monkeys, no MA2s, you
0: know. <laughs> so let's, uh, yeah, let's quickly, before we get to sort of final thoughts, how it feels as part of the series, um, particularly myself and Steve having read the three books um, within the last year and a half, um, how it feels as part of the series up to this point. Um, for me, it's, it's, it's weird because... After Caliban Cove, it's it's odd to read something that's so true to the source material. Not that I had a problem with Caliban Cove doing its own thing. Absolutely not. I enjoyed that book, definitely. Um, but this, out of the three of them, is definitely the closest. It's closer than Umbrella Conspiracy Theory, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Umbrella Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, let's call it that. Um 'Cause it has the least Trent mentions. And when they are, it's yeah, just a mention and, and not much else. Until the epilogue, as uh, as Neptune said. Um this is definitely the truest one of the three. Um and as, as as you guys have said, you can see the game in your heads, that definitely helps in terms of making it feel even truer to the series with Catalan Cove, it's you've got to do a lot more imagination. Um Yeah. It's it fits it if it's nicely. I do like them, you know. For what it's worth, I do like the mentions. It it keeps it part of that series. So it's kind of a 50-50 thing because it's nice because it's like oh, it's Atari too with a couple of you know extra bits thrown in, but not really hugely impactful. Um, but they're good that they're there. Even the small stuff, as Nick said, with the the mayor's daughter's name. Uh, not not that we knew it uh, at the time as fans being wrong, but at least she gave her the surname of the mayor that she gave in book one which is kind of cool. Yeah. So, you know, I like stuff like that. Um, For me, I'm more excited to read books that are truer to the game. I'm excited to read Nemesis more than I am Underworld. After reading this, I'm excited to see how she adapts that game. But overall, I'm still up for Underworld. I'm interested to see where some of these other story strands go. Uh, Steve, what do you think of it uh, in terms of the wider scope of the series, at at least so far?
1: Like, I would touch on. It. it feels the most standalone. Like you could take the prologue and epilogue, you know, mm. rip out Trent, put in Wesker, and it's like it's just a game. You know, that there is no like SD St. Perryverse stuff. Not really. Uh, and you know, if you're really against that, then th- this is the one for you. But right. uh, you know, I'm still I'm still curious to where it go. I, I want to having forgotten mostly what happens in these books. I am for some reason the prologue is the bit that's still like eating at my brain. And trying to figure out what happens to Jill. Then she's leaving with Chris and Barry right now. How the <laughs> hell is she going to get stuck in? You know. Yeah. What?
2: Uh, spoilers, spoilers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's so, the, uh, uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Nick. To, yeah. I mean, for me, Caliban's my favourite of the original novels. Oh right, interesting. Uh, I, there's only two, obviously. So it's not. Yeah, you know, it's not. Um, I I, might, I like I liked that, um, more so than, um, Underworld. Okay. Um, you're right. City of the Dead is very much standalone. Uh, I think it works quite nicely with um, Umbrella Conspiracy. The we, uh, the problems go on because uh, with like Nemesis, for example, there's there's a disclaimer at the beginning of the book. Mm. Um. So that will that's the kind of spoiler element. You know, she doesn't even try because it's impossible. So she just does her best. So you know, there's there's going to be clear contradictions. Um, with what's already established within these books, dang. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> no, it's um, fine. No. You would have remembered. Yeah. So it's, it. You know, they they just pretend that Jill, you know, was always in the city. That kind of, yeah, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, um, and so, in, so when you so you've got to kind of then evaluate that when, when judging City of the Dead, because then, as Steve said, it it does still fit quite nicely. Mm. It, mm. It's the other titles that kind of then become a bit more problematic, and where it's all going. I don't think it's as bad as I, people thought it was, um, but yeah, you, you'll notice it when you read Nemesis. You'll be like, okay, fine, fine. Um, but I like it. Yeah, I, I think it. I think it's a, a very solid entry in in in, in, her, in her series. It's probably. I'm just trying to think. Oh, it's, such, it's such a long time ago. Um, I remember enjoying it more perhaps than. Zero, and I say cover is very good, but I think I enjoyed *See the Dead* a bit more than Cobra R. Oh, so it, yeah, I think so. I, I'm just trying, trying to remember. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's probably one of the best, if not the best, of the um, of the adaptations. But then it's you know because you've got the visual elements, it, I, I think that helps enormously. Mm. Mm
0: uh Steve, final thoughts on city of the dead then what is it was it ranked best one out of the lot so far I'm guessing from from your multiple yeah, points, yeah.
1: massive caveats aside like you know as a standalone r e two adaption it's pretty strong and you know if you want to know the wider scope of the Periverse, it's almost skippable, which is weird when you put it that way mm. like you if you want to know the entire ins and outs if you know what r e two is. You could you could read the front chapter. You could read the back chapter, and you're good to go for the rest of the books. As as much as canon's gonna get shattered to bits by the sounds of it, uh, you know, because it mostly is just re two. And if you're here for more re two and nothing else, that's fantastic. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm. that's the one thing I like, enjoy most about these book club episodes is just seeing where this this pocket universe goes. Even if it's going to shatter on itself before we get to like episode five. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, as a, as a person who is a mostly functioning human being who can read. <laughs> the fact that I've gone through this multiple times in preparation for this podcast probably says a lot, like, yeah. like we've already said. And it's fairly pacey. I didn't have any issues with it, and I didn't get bored, which happened a few times during some of the others. Oh, okay. Not, not so much to write them off, obviously, because I still enjoyed them well enough. So, yeah, if you're a fan of RE two, go for it. That's mm. my final verdict, really. If you're invested in the SDP vs. law, just read a synopsis and move on.
0: Mm. I, uh, it's the nature of the beast with these writing these books before the games come out and stuff like that, isn't it? That the canon is going to get have these things. I mean, even just the prologue in this book it almost seems like it's it's there to tie up from Calavan Cove, where the other stars members have decided they're going to hunker down low in i think brad's apartment or something um so you know she's constantly trying to write herself out of a hole uh because what she's written previously uh that she's written for the purpose of sort of adding some more flavor to what's going on with the other characters then suddenly doesn't match up with the games that she has to write about so just the way it goes again with us sort of talking about these in hindsight makes it a hell of a lot easier if we were you know, reviewing these as they came out, uh, I imagine it would have been frustrating to be like, "Well, man, this doesn't fit all fit together." Um, but you know, now that everything's out and it is the way it is, and almost certainly we're not going to suddenly get a new S. D. Perry novel, um, we can read them in sort of isolation like that. Um, Nick, you, you oh, no, pretty much
1: don't say that. Don't <laughs> say that. I want to. I want to hear S D. Perry's take on Ethan. <laughs> <laughs> Just jump
0: straight to village. <laughs> Uh, Nick, you already uh, you pretty much said it. City of the Dead is, might be the number one pick of the lot for you.
2: I think so. I, just, I, can't, I, I can't entirely uh, qualify that because it's been a long yeah, sure. time since I've read the others. But um, I don't remember being quite as enthralled with the others than I was with this one, put mm. it that way. Um, they're all good. They're all good. As I said the Cobra Veronica one, I distinctly remember. I spent a long time reading that. Not not because it was dragging, but because I was trying to take in as much because it was the game I was familiar the least with when I read it. Um, right. Because it, so I was like trying to absorb as much from the book just to kind of help me with the game as well. Um, but yeah, this one um, I, I think is probably the best um, out of the out of the original out of all the kind of adaptations that she did. Um, it worked the, the a B scenarios actually probably works a bit better because there's clear defined paths mm. whereas in umbrella conspiracy the, the games are near identical aren't they depending on which route you take so um it this one she could just go right I'm doing on A Claire B and, and, right. and the, a lot a lot of the interconnectivity um has done, was done for her, whereas in umbrella conspiracy she kind of had to mesh it around a bit herself um you mm. know to make it work so This was this made it a bit easier for her,
0: yeah. Uh, but you know, for me, I actually quite kind of like to see uh how she handled RE1 and where she took the characters and just trying to try and oh, yeah, yeah. almost you know to avoid them bumping into each other. I think out of them, uh, that I'm still might like the first book just a little bit more. And I think <laughs> to be perfectly honest, it's it might be a length thing as well. It's like this is arduous is a very strong word idea i've absolutely you know i re, i thought it was really good i did enjoy it it's a little long though um and it's very it's very cleverly made but i just like it's as long as it had to be you know you any shorter and you're gonna it's it's gonna have problems if you start chopping stuff out it, it had to be this long but I, I just maybe it was just the punchiness of the first two books i really really enjoyed like i could have read them and Pick them up a second time quite easy with this one being over 300 pages i was like i'd have to give it a little bit before i pick it up again certainly but that being said yeah it's a really good adaption of re2 it's a fine addition to this ongoing series
1: like not to completely overshadow that, did, 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 did the spencer mansion feel like a lot more populated than the rpd and sewers and everything else was because it certainly feels like it
0: yeah it? i think so because, again it's I, I think that's a case of there is more story to tell in r e two like moment to moment, so it's less bogged down in like action scenes uh, they you can't never found
1: they
2: of- a lot of- yeah, you never found they came across a lot of zombies. It was like hmm. we're now in the sewers, here's a spider we're now we're now in the labs, here's some more r e threes as they called them yeah um it, the the zombies wasn't as perhaps a constant threat. Right, and, but
0: again, it's it's just this case of writing a book, isn't it? How many times can of you course. write? And then some zombies came out and we shot them, you know. It's not that it's like I blasted them yeah. with his
1: 50 caliber desert eagle. His dad and granddad got him, that's right. Graduation present, my god,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, and the other thing I find is also just sort of and. Uh, You just kind of have to just sort of go, okay, sure. Is Most of these encounters, whilst they can be written quite tensely, uh, not many enemies land a single hit on any of the characters just because of the nature of infection, whereas video games is video games. Whereas this, usually it's describe the monster, fill it full of lead, move on. (laughs) That's just the way it goes. Well, nothing else remains for me but to thank our contributors. If you'd like to be part of the show, then please look into auditioning for our file readings. Join the Discord server to get in touch with members of the team and our community, discuss Resident Evil with us and other fans, and listen to the podcast live as it's being recorded. You can find a link to the server, as well as our Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more at faspraypod.com. You can find the podcast on YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a review where you can help spread the word. You can also. Support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash FA Spray Pod for as little as $1 a month. In our next episode, we. <sighs> uh, there's no easy way of saying it. I'm dragging Stephen James, kicking and screaming, into playing an infamous RE title because not every game that we cover can be a Stone Cold Classic. It's time for Umbrella Core. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Siniac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FB Steve was taken. And Neptune is at RE underscore Neptune. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week.
2: Entertain, entertain the listeners with some anecdotes from yes from yesteryear. I don't know. I've got not got any off the top of my head, but um And we can all talk about how great Resident Evil Gaiden is. There yes, we go.
0: Yeah, do <laughs> you know what? We need to put you and Sherwin Matthews in our in a room. He's uh <laughs> he loves that game.
2: It's great. It's a de- is it no it, it's 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 a semi decent game. It's a good game. And um it's one fantastic. day, one day. As I said, you know, we've recently found out that Gaiden is directly referenced in Resident Evil Four, so you know, whatever. Well, very much. Very much
0: <laughs> mm, that'll be in the remake as well, just to make it, just make sure.
2: So, every yeah. time, every time Leon gets announced for a new thing, I'm waiting for the. Oh, this is just like the Starlight, and then every, you know, you <laughs> imagine, you could you imagine? Could you imagine what would happen in the community if that happened?
0: <laughs> the ripples.
2: The thing is though, the thing about Gaiden is that the whole game following village has now been completely remade. Every element of Gaiden is now remade in some capacity. So you've got the, the cruise ship, done. Mm. Yeah. Um the the Amoeba Tyrant is basically an ooze, kind okay of something that can you know, yeah. disintegrate and, you know that that's all done. Mm. Uh special uh, young special girl with powers, Natalia, Lucia, done. And then to finish it all off, we had shapeshifting, which was done in village, with the with the parasite bow. Mm. So well, the whole game yeah, has been done.
0: We don't have a gas launcher yet.
2: <laughs> Ken Veronica got the gas round. Oh, well, gas I suppose rounds.
0: that's. Mm. <laughs> I take it. But I like my my, th-
2: my theory's good, and whilst there's people here, people will will will. We'll, Endure my theory that it's not a it's not a fake Leon at the end. It's just an infected Leon at the end. <laughs> it makes sense. If, it I've makes, read make, you. I've read your account. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. There, 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 it's a good theory. It's a good theory.